Hello and welcome. You're listening to This Is Some Scene. I am James Ippoliti, and I am also the host of the Real Demons of Pop Culture podcast and many more podcasts soon to come. This Is Some Scene was a podcast I produced back in the mid-2000s to about 2009. Season one of This Is Some Scene is going to be those lost interviews. Interviews with people like Tommy Wiseau, Joe Dante, Amber Benson, Crispin Glover, so many more at the dawn of podcasting. I had a group of people that had a lot of fun doing these podcasts. Now, the quality is not as great as it could be because it was at the beginning of podcasting where it was very hard. It also was recorded live. Most of the calls were live, as you will see. And so the quality is not to the standards of 2023, but they are pretty good for 2008, 2009, etc. You may hear the voices of Andrea. You may hear the voices of Eric Feasterville, also known as Chris Blake Sasser. So grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and enjoy these interviews from the beginning of the podcasting universe. In season two, we will be introducing new interviews to continue the legacy of This Is Some Scene. 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 <laughs> Live from Gorilla Delphia, this is some scene for Monday, February 22nd, 2010. Welcome to the show. I am James. I'm getting, a, I don't know if it's a cold or something, but my voice is weird tonight. I don't know what's wrong with it. Um, I feel okay. Just my throat feels weird. Tonight, it's my pleasure to have interviewed Jeffrey Fletcher. He is the screenwriter for the film Precious. He adapted it from the book Push by Sapphire. It's one of the most, um, it's, it's one of the more noteworthy uh, films of 2009. There's a lot of great films this year. And uh, Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire, um, it won three awards at the Sundance Film Festival, including a special jury prize for Monique, who plays Precious's monstrous mother. If you haven't seen the film, I definitely go see it. Monique just won the BAFTA for Best Supporting Actress as well. Um, she's well known for comedy, and uh, wow, the see a change from there's nothing funny about her performance. It's frightening. Um, but the film is also nominated. For besides that, for six Academy Awards, uh, including directing, Best Picture, Editing, Best Actress and Supporting Actress, and Best Writing for the Adapted Screenplay by my guest this evening, Jeffrey Fletcher. I am truly uh, inspired after this interview. This interview was recorded earlier today. Uh, he is in London, so I had to record this because of the time difference earlier, so it won't be live. Uh, but we got to talking for almost an hour, so I'm going to get right to it. Uh, but anybody who had a dream or has a dream, doesn't matter if it's screenwriting, if you want to write, or if you want to be a filmmaker, if you just have a dream, anything you want to do, 
here's a guy that did it. Took a long time to get there, but he kept doing it and worked hard and couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. So I'm first going to play the trailer for Precious, and then I'll get into the interview. My name is Clarice Precious Jones. I want to be on the cover of a magazine. I wish I had a light-skinned boyfriend with real nice hair. But first, I want to be on one of them BET videos. You're a dummy. Don't nobody want you. Don't nobody need you. School ain't gonna help none. Take your ass down to the welfare. You're 16. You're still in junior high school. And you're pregnant with your second child. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about home? But you're gonna have to talk to somebody if you want your check, sweetie. People tell me my life is Precious, I'm hungry. You plan on putting some food in that frying pan? My favorite color is purple. I sing well. And I'm here because I love to teach. I'm Joanne. My favorite color is fluorescent beige. And I'm here to get my GED. Harry, something you do well? Nothing. Everybody's good at something. Precious, you will stand up there and look down at me like you're a woman? You don't know what real women do. Real women sacrifice. Now smile about that, you fat bitch. about the abuse in your household. You know what I'm talking about. You sit there and judge me and you write them notes on your pad about who you think I am. Nobody loves me. People do love you, precious. Please don't love me. Love ain't done nothing for me. Beat me. Make me feel worthless. Your baby loves you. All right. Now, if you don't know anything about the film, Clarice Precious Jones endures unimaginable hardships in her young life. Uh, she is invited to enroll in an alternative school in hopes that her life can be headed into a new direction. Now, um, you'll hear me talk about the interview about how this sounds like a really heavy film and you're going to come out of it completely depressed, but it's actually a very hopeful film, and I came out of it feeling uh, much lighter than I thought I would have, considering the heavy uh, theme so, that said, I'm going to go into the interview, and uh, like I said, it's about an hour, and it was uh, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done, so enjoy. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, and congratulations, first off, on your Oscar nomination for Precious. Oh, thank you very much. That's still setting in, but in, in a nice way. Now, I read somewhere that you had made little films with action figures. Is this correct, or was this when you were a kid, or...? <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, I got my first video camera when I was 14, and, you know, I would make movies with kids in the neighborhood, but they often had to go home for dinner or this or that, and uh, one day I pulled out these action figures from the closet and uh, set them up in front of the camera and made little animated movies where they fought each other. <laughs> now, I think we're close to the same age, and I'm thinking if that's around 1984, uh, that's probably where they Star Wars action figures. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. It, it was 
a, an interesting time for action figures because the uh, figures were at fewer, at much less articulation at that time. Now, yeah. they made some great ones. When my oldest brother was little, they made some awesome G.I. Joe figures and some Western figures. And then later on, uh, they, you know, I think more later in the 90s, they started coming out again with some high-quality figures. So I had to work with, with whatever was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did have some good articulation on the G.I. Joe ones, especially if you can do oh, something yeah. like stop, stop animation or anything like that. That's going to work better. Oh, absolutely. So, now, now, take me back. I want to go back to um, you know Jeffrey Fletcher prior to working with um, Precious, and you know you've been struggling for a while to be heard as a screenwriter slash also director. What was it like back then for you? Well, when I look back on all those years where I took uh, various jobs, most of which had nothing to do with the industry, I, uh, I look back and I wonder a little bit because throughout all that, I never stopped writing. And I never stopped studying films. And I always thought that uh, you know, it, uh, maybe one day I'll get my break. And, and one, one of the things that kept me going was the following. And I look back and maybe it was some kind of rationalization but I thought, well, I'm doing all this writing. And when my big break comes, I'll have written half of my filmography. And so this writing will not be in vain <laughs> when that door finally opens. <laughs> but I'll tell you something else that I was thinking throughout that time. Uh, you know, each script, uh, you know, whether I end up using any of those scripts, each one was such an important stepping stone. And they all, things I learned from them all came in handy for writing Precious. It really drew upon every experience I, I had. Uh, all I studied through film school, the psychology, from my undergraduate years, the frustration or the, or the more like the resilience uh, that I needed to sort of keep keep going is uh, I could really identify with Precious. She's someone who uh, felt invisible, uh, was trying to find her voice, felt she had a lot to contribute, and so I could identify with her very, very closely. And it uh, ultimately was the most challenging and fulfilling creative experience in my life. Now... You brought up Precious as far as uh, the voice and finding your voice. But, you know, in the film, the one thing that gets her along is the love from the friends, from the teachers, you know, from people in her life. Uh, did you have that uh, when you were trying to be a screenwriter and going through that struggle? I mean, how did you cope and, and go on for so many years and not just say, you know what, screw it, I'm done. I'm not going to, you know, what kept you going? Oh, well, you touch upon an excellent point, and I, my my family and my friends uh, never gave up on me, and without that, I don't think I could have, uh, you know, continued, and I think that's true for, for most people. 
and at the end of the day, you know, I'm doing the interviews and, and the photo shoots. But uh, for me, there, there's never any question that uh, you know my father, uh, before he passed away, was uh, so helpful. Taught me everything from f stops to fishing, baseball, math. My mother, uh, an educator. Her entire career, school principal for most of that. My two older brothers, uh, my oldest brother. I learned animation because he was home from college. He was just walking through the room and saw me playing with these toys and this camera. And he said, well, look what happens when you move the figure a little bit and start and stop the camera and do it again and again and play it back and see what happens. And then from there, I was just obsessed. Right. My brother Todd, you know, my middle brother Todd, most of our conversations, uh, we are centered around storytelling and mythology. So if any contribution from any family member were missing, I really don't think that uh, I could have written this film. I'm, I'm sure of that. It's a great story. I mean, this is something I desire as well, like to be a screenwriter. And, and I love your story, and it's very inspiring to me. Uh, and, you know, I've interviewed a lot of celebrities and um but this is one of like it's really great when you see someone that you know we always hear those overnight successes that took like 25 years to happen and um so you know take me to you know precious when they come to you and they said we want you to adapt this I, i've heard there there were some attempts prior to you taking it on um how did how did you get involved with the project and then what was it about the book that that spoke to you? Well, Lee Daniels saw a short film that I wrote, directed, shot, and edited. And on the spot, he asked if I would get involved with this project. Now, I'd heard uh, the word no many times for many years. so And he said yes so quickly, I didn't believe him. I mean, I really didn't <laughs> believe him. Uh, so I... I ran out and I found the last copy at a Barnes and Nobles wedged between two gigantic books. And uh, I fell in love with that book from the opening quote. I fell in love with Precious from page one or two. And I was warned beforehand. I was told, oh, this book is, is grim and dense and dreary. But that's not ever what I saw. I saw this as one of the most beautiful things I'd ever read. And it was brimming with light. And I really felt I could see pretty clearly uh, early on how this could work as a film. Now, <clears throat> one thing that was a, was very helpful was my training as a director because I would look at each page uh, with a filter on, a visual filter, and what's cinematic, what isn't. And all the right. writing of those that original material was enormously helpful, too, because when I would stray from the book and uh, take certain leaps, I felt very comfortable away from the farm, so to speak. So it really required sort of every single thing I'd ever learned. Now, to another larger picture sort of filter I had on was this. I, I wanted to honor the spirit and the impact of the book, but also make it uh, cinematic and accessible. 
so uh, and, and you know, Lee Daniels gave me an enormous amount of uh, freedom and support. In most cases, I would give him a few pages, and he would say, uh, "Keep going, keep going." Now, only much later did I find out that there had been a number of other attempts, and I don't necessarily think I'm a more capable writer than those other writers, but I think there are sometimes things that are just up your alley, and you're not entirely sure why. I have some ideas, but I'm still sorting it out. Yeah, do you, do you ever, like, look at this whole journey that, that's happened so far, you know, with the Oscars up until this point, and say, like, there's something greater going on here, like a synergy, something that has set you up to be that person, to be able to make this happen? Hmm. It's a really good question, and I've been thinking uh, about this. You know, all of the creative forces on this film, each of the collaborators, all the actors, the crew, myself, I have the sense that we're all part of something uh, bigger than each of us right. individuals or you know the the sum of this whole thing is greater than its parts and it's really a wonderful feeling to be swept up into that and you know, you try to have your your pacing and your uh, act breaks and all of that in place but i think there's this other factor um, maybe it's called inspiration that it's less tangible but unmistakable that makes the work uh, really connect with people on a deeper level and uh, in terms of this year and, and where my life is uh, I, I'm still sorting it all out I, mm. every time I hear someone refer to me as Oscar nominated it's a little bit of a jolt to me when people talk about the ceremony, I keep forgetting that I get to attend. So <laughs> I... <laughs> it must be something I can't imagine. I mean, it's one thing to get your first, you know, a screenplay produced. I mean, that's hard enough to begin with. Uh, but then to come oh. out and then and then be nominated for it, uh, you must be. I, I don't know. It must be amazing. Just the. It probably doesn't even feel real at this point. It probably won't feel real till after you know the event and. Time goes on. Oh, yeah, you know? I agree. And, it, you know, the work is so, so hard. But what might be equally hard is not only getting someone to read your work, but to actually have the work produced and then uh, marketed. And, and it's, it's just remarkable. Yeah. Now, now that brings up, did you have... I'm sorry, did you have an agent uh, prior to getting this? Oh, no, no, I didn't. I uh, I got my representation after uh, I got the assignment. And it's funny, but before the film got into Sundance, I, uh, I called one of the major agencies, and it was a cold call. And... I was just inquiring about representation. I said, well, I have a feature that uh, just got into Sundance. And long story short, they hung up on me. Oh. And 
<laughs> that's okay. I can't imagine how many people call them a day with all yeah. every day with all kinds of wild ideas. But interestingly, a couple of weeks ago, the same agency called me um, trying to get their actors into a project I'm working on. But I don't. I just no, I find it interesting. But I, or did I hang up on them? No, no, no. Because here's the thing. I can you imagine their position? How many people are are trying to to get in and, and call and if they were to entertain every single uh, sure. cold call, I guess they wouldn't get anything done. Yeah. But you know, a friend of mine said when I was toiling away for so long, he said. Things can change. And I don't know where he got all of his optimism, but he's, it's uncanny. And, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's some story. Now, the one thing that you brought up about Precious, and, and you know, honestly, when the, when the film came out, and I, I started hearing, you know, great things about it, but I, I had some, it took me a while to get into the theater to see it, mostly because, I have to kind of mentally prepare myself when it's a, I feel it's going to be a heavy film. And that's what I thought, knowing, you know, this is going to be a heavy film, and, and do I want to leave the theater feeling very emotionally affected, deeply, like, you know, maybe very sad, you know? And I don't like to invite that all the time into my life, and some films you do it and you, and you can't get it out of your system for a few days. At least I, I'm like that. And I eventually did, did go in, and that... that Amazing thing was that I didn't leave. I did leave with hope. I left with such um, joy in my heart after seeing that film. And even though there were some, you know, very heavy themes in there, uh, it was. I told people afterwards because I had people coming up to me and saying, "Well, yeah, I was thinking about seeing that, but isn't it really, you know, really, really sad?" And I was like, "No, it's actually very enlightening." Um, but what was Tell me about that process of trying to take on such heavy subject and but balancing the light and the dark. Well, it's another great point you bring up because I've heard that so many times. Oh, well, I haven't seen it yet. I, I just have to brace myself and, and be ready right. for it. And people, after seeing it, have had a similar reaction, uh, a reaction similar to yours in that, they leave feeling such hope, and, and I think even a couple of critics said, "Well, somehow I left with a sense of hope." And I know that movies are often a place for people to escape from from troubles and this and that. But uh, you know, while writing this, I was in love with the character, I cared so deeply for, her. and the thing that kept me going was the knowledge that there is going to be so much hope at the end and it, and it's more earned if the journey uh, has difficult areas and there's also humor in it and I, and I think that it a film like this doesn't work without levity mm-hmm. and there are very I think there are maybe at least a couple of different kinds of humor in it. There's nervous laughter, and then there are just uh, what I hope are just some funny moments and lines. But mm-hmm. uh, ultimately, I, I I think that uh, people tend to 
be thankful that they've had the journey. They've recommended it to their friends. And I think a, a film like this, and I think uh, this may be true of many films, the trailers are wonderful, but I, they can't possibly communicate the uh, scope of the journey that Precious takes. Right. And I've had people go back for you know repeat viewings, and you know, when a film stays with you, that's uh, that's to me probably my my criteria for for how I how I felt about it. And people tell me they've seen the film at Sundance over a year ago, and it hasn't left them. And that's you know what all that work for all those years. That's what it was for. Yeah, it does stay with you. It's a powerful piece. Um, you know, and let, let me talk about the brutality that is in the novel, but is only hinted to in, in the film. And it, it to me, I think of like horror films. You know, today there seems to be this, uh, you know, overabundance of gore and, and in the horror films today that they show so much, these torture porn films, and that doesn't really scare me. It's just you're showing me way too much here. Like I, I was more frightened, you know, watching Jaws, and I never saw the shark. You know, mm. um, yeah. it seems it seems like you kind of did you take that approach to say let's have less is more to show this, or was was there a time where you were thinking of being showing more of the brutality and it just got cut? Oh no, the plan. The entire time, my intention was to truly make this uh, a cinematic experience. And when I say cinematic experience, I mean an experience where the audience participates. You can show an audience glimpses. They can connect the dots in a way more compelling than any filmmaker might. And it's one of the reasons why novels can be so compelling and cinema less consistently so because there's always the drive to show everything. So it uh, lets the audience uh, participate. And when she's going through uh, a difficult time and she needs this escape, uh, we go into dream sequences. It's number one, an escape for her, and number two, an escape for the audience who know they know full well what's happening and three i thought it was an organic way to incorporate a visual element to it and so you know it's like the old horror films that didn't show much they scared people terribly so it's really to get the audience in engaged and involved and uh you know they're, they're the audience yeah. they're smart yeah, they are, and and I really think when you do show that that less is more to me, uh, you know, can then I think it becomes a more personal film when you watch Precious because you're not seeing exactly what happened. You have ideas, but you in, you take on your own demons and you put them hmm. in that place. You know, me, I, thank you. I've been um, trying to and, say that. I've been trying to say that for so long in that concise manner. <laughs> thank you. Well, Glad to have help. Um, but it was your film that made me think of it, so it was there. 
Uh, but you know, let's go back to those fantasy those fantasy sequences, which I absolutely loved in the film. And um, I know they're not in the novel; they're, that's an invention that you had. Uh, what was the reason behind doing those? Because not only were I, I mean, I get the idea that it's an escape, but they actually added to the humor as well. I mean, I loved that mm. fantasy she had, and I also think that was part of the hope that there is, you know. I just I thought they were brilliant, and I just love to know how that came about. Well, uh, a lot of it was triggered from uh, my uh, undergraduate uh, study in psychology, and I think if they are effective, it's because they're rooted in something real, you know, a, a real psychological dynamic that happens in people, and. You know, I had them placed in very specific uh, areas, and I know that Lee really, uh, you know, really liked the idea and added several more. But again, uh, it added a nice uh, cinematic element, where this story could have been told in a more traditional way, but bringing in that psychological dynamic with a touch of heightened reality I think accomplished something that I'm always trying to do shock the audience in a way that is grounded and makes sense yeah I mean well there's where she sees herself as a, a blonde girl um, mm. I, find, I find it fascinating that the, the fantasies is you know, she's living a, a better life in those fantasies, but a lot of people look into a mirror and they see something worse about themselves. And I found that fascinating that somebody being beaten down so much, when they did look at something in their head, saw themselves as a better individual. You know, uh, mm. somebody who could accomplish these things, uh, you know, being a star. Um, and not mm. seeing what the world around her was trying to tell her she was, and she obviously was, and she was much greater than that. Um, how much of that character did, you know, Gabby bring to Precious? Oh, well, Gabby, it's funny. Her performance is so remarkable. She is a college-educated woman playing a semi-literate character ten years her junior. Mm -hmm. And she's so convincing that for a long time people would ask her if her life were better. And you see the difference in the fantasy sequences. And, you know, that's a testament to how well she sells the real world and uh, Lee and editor Joe Klotz how when they jump into the fantasy world, I guess the audiences really believe it's a fantasy world because they don't assign her behavior in those sequences to to the rest of the performance. It's 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 interesting. They uh, really don't. But but you see her. It's funny in some respects. She's more like. The the girl in the fantasy sequences that you <laughs> most of the film. I'll mm -hmm. tell you in the early viewings, 
I would see something new that she would do uh, in each viewing. And it's so subtle. It's so beautifully crafted, so intelligently done that uh, I give her all the credit in the world. And the casting director, Billy Hopkins, I think she has to be a masterpiece. Uh, yeah. I just, you know, when I first saw her face, I'm like, my goodness, this woman stepped off the page. And then when I saw her performance, I was like, oh my gosh. And she's added such dimension and, and depth and uh, humanity, intelligence to it. Because I don't think, see, I never thought Precious was was dumb or mm-hmm. lacked capability. Because I thought she was always an alert and resilient person. It's just a matter of someone taking an extra moment with her and uh, getting... Yeah, well, were you on set at all uh, during the, the shooting? Oh no, during the shooting I was teaching a film at Columbia and NYU and writing uh, new scripts. I just kept writing and uh, one of the things uh, I'm writing I'm uh, hoping to shoot later this year. Now, is that Attica, or is that something else? Uh, uh, that's something uh, in addition to Attica. Uh, that Attica, I'm crazy about, and uh, it's such an honor to work with Doug Lyman, the director of, of that caliber and integrity. And the other project is something that uh, it's an original script I'm attached to direct, and... Uh, I saw. I was going to ask you that. Are you going to move on to directing as well? And it sounds like you will be. Oh yes. It really having used cameras for so long, they sort of feel like an extension of my hands. And certainly, working with actors and having done a little theater myself, it uh, you know I consider all the elements of filmmaking uh, forms of writing as well. But to me, one of the big goals after film school was I tasked myself to try to become a writer, uh, a pure writer, what I call a pure writer, meaning I could create a pile of pages that would speak for itself without need of uh, my explanation or direction or anything for them to make sense. And I felt that I was I always hoped that there was a writer inside me, and, I, and I'm still learning every day. But I always admired the careers of the writer directors, like Spike Lee or Woody Allen, or Paul Thomas Anderson. But right. I also like the virtuoso uh, geniuses who often write with the camera as well, like Martin Scorsese or Federico Fellini. Right. Now, this one that you were going to write and direct, is this a newer script, or are you going back to some of the older stuff you've written? Well, this is post-Precious. Okay. Now, yeah. would you go back to something that you've written be, you know, prior to Precious, or do you feel that you've moved on past those, or, or grew, grew past it? I think um, many of them, I... I think I've, I've grown past. However, uh, they still served an enormous purpose. 
Right. Without them, we wouldn't have these opportunities. So uh, it, it's sort of like maybe if you look back on school and you say, well, I know everything I, I learned in eighth grade, but if I took eighth grade away, maybe the grades that followed wouldn't I, I wouldn't have been able to benefit from them as much. So uh, I guess it's that kind of idea. Now, now you were writing for a while, dreaming of this day. Um, what is there anything that surprised you now that you're here? Uh, hmm. um, is, or yeah. is, it as, is this what you thought it would be? A number of there are a number of things that are, are as I visualize them very very close. And that alone surprises me. You know, when there's something that you felt sort of far away from for a long time and you visualize it so many times, and when it's actually kind of like that, That's some weird. of the elements are just like that, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for instance, just running into uh, people all the time, like uh, Quentin Tarantino I spoke with last night at the uh, BAFTA wow. Awards, you know, two years ago. I was out on a New York sidewalk early in the morning, in the cold, waiting outside of a comic book shop for his autograph on a DVD, <laughs> Reservoir Dogs DVD, Mr. Brown, yeah. Special Edition, that's the one with him on the cover. And, and then we've been scheduled to be on the same panels, we see each other around all the time, and uh, so it's uh, it's pretty strange, and then... You know, the possibility of working with uh, actors I admire and, and some of them getting a hold of uh, some of my material and approaching me, which is really, really something something strange. And, I, and I'm grateful that uh, I'm not a 23-year-old because uh, I think that kind of attention could... Yeah, I, yeah. It, it could it could change me. I, I don't think that I would have valued it uh, as much. And and the lessons learned through all of those years, you know, a lot of them. I think perhaps most many of my formative years have passed, and so people ask me if I've changed during this, and I and I hope not. Uh, essentially, throughout this season, awards season, every day has been filled with a new surprise and experience, and I still have this sense of awe uh, when I'm at a certain event or see a certain person. I was on a panel with James Cameron uh, Thursday, and you know, we flew to uh, to London on the same flight, and there were Hurt Locker people and Hangover guys, and, <laughs> and uh, Sheldon Turner from uh, one of the writers yeah. up in the air. And, up in the area, it's great film. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that, that, it was, that, I'm that? sorry, go on. You can go oh, on. Oh no, 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 no. Oh no, well, no. What I was, what I was uh, bringing all this up. I mean, that that must be mind blowing just to be around that uh, as you know, coming from it. Almost, you know, all of a sudden you're there on the plane with all these people. But do you think the 23 year old Jeff could have written Precious? No. Excellent question. I don't think so. 
I remember hearing Oliver Stone in an interview, and uh, he was speaking to uh, recently film grads, young kids, and someone raised their hand and said, you know, Mr. Stone, what is your advice for people like us graduating? And he's like, get a life. And, and he was, you know, they laughed, and he's like, no. He's like, I went through the Vietnam War. I mean, I had things happen to me that I could draw from in life. you got to have that. And that's why I'm asking that question, because Precious is a... Is a I think you'd have to have a lot to draw from to pull off what you did in that film. Oh, thank you. And I, I think it's the best advice uh, about uh, what Oliver Stone said about Get Alive. It's so true because you, you know, there's no substitute for experience. And I do think it's also important to watch a lot of films, be a student of cinema and, and keep writing, but, you know, the best things that one can bring to art come directly from life. And I think what you bring from other, studying other art, cinema, I mean, it's, it's, it's the translation, it's, it's, it's the craft it's of of relaying that experience in a in uh, in hopefully some sort of eloquent manner to the audience or, or just under, between your thoughts and experience and them and that's where just the technique comes in the middle but right. there's no substitute for it uh, none at all and it's a really good question I don't think anyone has ever asked me if I could have written this when you know as a 23 year old but the answer I knew the answer immediately yeah now this is something I I, um, I read online and there's some critics that feel that Precious focuses too much on black family dysfunction and Sapphire's response to that was if you're upset then ask why does this happen what can I do not say bring back the Cosby family um, what is your take on that criticism well I understand why some people uh, you know, might might have issues, and I think it stems from a couple of things. One, there are very few films made about the African American experience, and those that are made uh, don't really cover much of the breadth of it. And so, when each film comes with extra scrutiny, particularly one that goes out on a limb. My hope is that people still receive the many positive messages and thought-provoking uh, ideas uh, and the entertainment value that goes with it. Uh, though I love the film very, very much, there's a scene that just couldn't make it into the uh, final cut that might have uh, quelled, if that's the word, some of the controversy. Precious visits an incest survivor scene where most of the women there look nothing like her. And, in fact, one looks very much like the blonde girl she sees in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And I think it really underscores the point that this isn't an issue that is specific to Harlem, New York. It's all 
all shapes, sizes, and backgrounds. And I thought it would be a good place for women who don't look like Precious to literally see themselves on the screen. But what has made me very happy is that on more than one occasion, uh, a woman who looks nothing like Precious has come up to me and said, I am Precious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what I was trying to say earlier as well, is about people putting their own demons onto it. And I don't think it's a race thing with, at all. People go through horrors in their families, uh, and they're going to, black, white, doesn't matter what color, they're going to see that in that film and, and be uh, relating to it. Uh, but that said, what do you think, can be done for the future of black cinema. I mean, there was that time, you know, there's John Singleton and Spike Lee and even Robert Townsend. I mean, great filmmakers, um, you know, and I think Hollywood Shuffle is, is such a great film talking about, you know, the role of a black actor. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a powerful film and also funny, you know, Townsend's great. But what, what do you think the next step is in Hollywood for black cinema? If, if you know, if, if there is one, well, I, I don't know. Well, first of all, I, I think that uh, uh, Hollywood Shuffle is a masterpiece. Yes. <laughs> it's absolutely remarkable. And, you know, maybe there are lessons to be learned from that film, from uh, She's Gotta Have It, from Killer of Sheep, in that making these films outside of the Hollywood... Uh, the studio system may be a necessity, and today, it's, due to technology, it, it's it's more accessible. But at the same time, the technology has also uh, resulted in a lot more films being made in general. Mm-hmm. I just think that uh, yeah, going in, one has to understand that it's going to be a little bit harder uh, and maybe more than a little bit harder but uh, just to still to still try and to work together I think that's enormously important uh, Tyler Perry was instrumental in uh, introducing our film to Lionsgate and right. Oprah Winfrey you know, and that kind of uh, cooperation I also think that studying the craft is is so important too because at the end of the day it doesn't matter uh, who the characters are in your film or what their backgrounds are if the film is not well crafted and entertaining piece of cinema but it's a it's a difficult question and I think it has to do it's not just the studios to blame because right. they would put out if people came yeah. they would have um, African American science fiction period pieces you know, epics, romances yeah I say, this, I say this all the time I mean I have friends, people and everybody I know complains every time they announce a remake. Oh, they're going to do Escape from New York again. Well, you know what? Stop going to these films, and uh, Hollywood would create something original. 
they're not, they're making a lot of money on these remakes, so they're going to continue to make them. You know exactly. It is show business, and business occupies more money in that term yeah. than show. <laughs> You know, let, I just want to, um, we're running out of time, but I, I want to know, uh, writing Precious, what was that the hardest scene for you to write, or the one you kept coming back to uh, again and again? Hmm. Well, I think people ask me what was the hardest part of writing Precious. Certainly it was hard. She's semi-literate. There's a lot of tough stuff happening. But uh, I think that a lot of the years before I even heard of the book, before any page, script page ever appeared on my computer screen. Uh, those years that informed so much of the writing were very hard. I think when you watch Peyton Manning throw a touchdown pass or Michael Jordan execute some otherworldly play, you don't see the thousands of hours that took place before. Right. I also, you know, one of the other hard things about it, we've talked about the difficulties within uh, making this into a piece of cinema, but at the end, saying goodbye to this character was was very difficult for me, and it, uh, it really uh, took me by surprise how difficult that was. And, uh, in terms of the individual scene, I remember... When Precious finally comes to realize that the pretty girl inside her is a black girl too, I remember I had to stop for a moment, stop writing, and uh, you know that was very that was a you know, one of those tough moments. It wasn't so much the difficulty wasn't so much in crafting the scene. But it was the uh, the content, the uh, the meaning, the feeling at that moment. Let me ask you this: You know, um, watching it, there were there were some moments where I would tear up. And the one that was really affecting me is when she finally announces she has AIDS in class. Um, and that moment was so powerful. As a writer, do, do you? I, I mean, I, I just don't know if this happens a, a lot with writers or not, but do you, like, tear up while writing scenes like that? I mean, is that... Because I'm wondering, watching it, is it the performance or, you know, writing that scene, does that ever affect you to the point where you're that emotionally moved? I had this conversation a couple of days ago, and please forgive me. Forgive me if this is, again... Uh, any form of name dropping, but uh, <laughs> it was a Saturday night, waiting for the airplane. Uh, James Cameron said that you know, if you're not crying while you're writing it, then how can you expect anybody else to be moved? And yeah. people can tell the difference. They can tell when there's when it's pure manipulation. And they can tell when you're genuinely moved. And uh, for me, I, I certainly was at that moment. She'd endured so much. And finally, finally, tears momentarily start to crack. Just momentarily. She ends up still pulling it together. And 
the only time she's ever really, really begun to feel sorry for herself. And she writes, why me, on, yeah. the, on her notebook page, when the other rest of the page is completely empty. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I want to dance like this, you know, as a writer and as uh, other writers listening to this, I mean, I guess that's a great, bi- like a barometer, that if you're not doing that, work harder at it, I would guess. I mean, would you say that's a good, like, a good way to judge whether you're, you know, if be seen as emotionally effective, is if you're emotionally yeah. moved. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. So interesting, interesting Cameron broke that, brought that up and, as well. And it's so, something. It speaks to not only you know the, the power of the scene, but if you're moved emotionally, it also means that you're under the spell of the story. You're you're within the story, telling it. That's another element of that dynamic that's so important. Uh, are you going to research Attica? I, I heard that you, uh, with the director, went to the location. Yes, we did, and I. Uh, I don't think that I'll soon forget that. That was mm. a remarkable experience. I don't... I don't... can't recall ever having ever been to a prison before. Uh, maybe a detention center of some sort, but this... Uh, it felt like there are still uh, lingering... Like shows? Yeah. Ghosts, even. Uh, yeah. It was a remarkable experience that was really, it was both chilling and thrilling at the same time. Now, will you be tempted to do a little Dog Day Afternoon Attica, Attica, and <laughs> like a chant? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I know it's amazing. I love Dog Day Afternoon and Afternoon's <laughs> performance. And it's, that's another one of these surreal elements. And then, John Travolta, Saturday Night Fever. Yes, uh, imitating... Another... another imitating Al Pacino. And yeah. Another great film and another great performance. So, you know, people... You know, you ask, well, what... Do you have any... Do you feel any pressure following Precious up? And, oh, not really. I mean, I've done some things since then. And uh, I always try very hard to... Uh, be who I am, where I am, and I know it may sound a little bit abstract, but when I look at certain great filmmakers and films at various periods of their time, oftentimes they were really uh, so so into uh, that certain place in time when they made their remarkable film and, uh, but I do think ultimately we have some control over inspiration but right. it is that that, that factor that uh, can make a film where with maybe camera work maybe isn't the best in the world but you can feel the humanity and sincerity and the passion of a project so uh, being in a position to have some 
some degree of choice. You know, I think uh, even Steven Spielberg probably faces issues. Uh, but I think I would be very happy if I can make another film where I cared half as much as I cared about Precious. Yeah. Uh, what, what about a dream actor that you haven't worked with yet? Is there somebody you would love to work with in the future? I mean, I'm sure you got a list, but is there any at the top of that list? Hmm. Yeah. I like... Uh, gosh, there's so many. I've always admired uh, Morgan Freeman. Uh, you know, I had the at the Oscar brunch I was seated next to Meryl Streep uh, also uh, you know there's some, some uh, up and coming uh, actors who I think are, are terrific like uh, Sir Ronan and even though people think Jeremy Renner's a newcomer he's been around hmm. for some time you know, there's so many. There's, uh, Forrest Whitaker, uh, Tom Cruise, um, but in, in a lot of the great, like Helen Mirren, um, Angela Bassett. Yeah. So much uh, talent, and that's the thing <laughs> about this film, where yep. you know so many of the people who are cast in Precious, I don't think they might have had the opportunity to show their remarkable talent. And to me, it makes me think, well, how much talent is out there that, that is right. being underutilized or not utilized at all? That's like and Lenny Kravitz. I mean, look at Lenny Kravitz. That guy, you knew he was a talented musician, but, you know, he comes on board and did a wonderful, you know, job and, uh, Totally sold it. Oh, he certainly did. You know, he played it uh, with such sensitivity, intelligence, and craft. Yeah. But we're thinking of uh, the rock star, and you know, he is part of the heart of this film. Uh, in the book, he was mentioned in a sentence or two in her past when she delivered her first child, when she gave birth to her first child, and he helped deliver it. And here I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity as she refashions her worldview to have a male character who is caring, intelligent in her life because the only men in her life otherwise are the distant, horrific figure of her father in the past and this young man in her fantasy sequences. So, yeah, Lenny Kravitz is remarkable, and I think that he's going to have a great film career. Yeah. Now, if you had a second choice, because obviously Precious would be your first to win Best Picture, what would the uh, second choice for your Best Picture film be? Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious. Uh-oh. I'm on, I'm on the spot. There are too many good ones. I'll it tell you. I'll really give you a hint. Really well, what was that? I said it's a, it's a great year. Oh, yeah, it really is. Because I, I love so many films, and they're, for me, when I look at a film, if I see an element in there that fascinates me, I appreciate the film. Uh, 
I think everything from the following films all have something so special to offer. Has uh, a whole orb of magnificent moments in them. With everything from The Hurt Locker Avatar Up. Uh, maybe a couple of things will surprise you. Star Trek, Bruno. Um, <laughs> it's been an incredible year, and uh, I'm just you know, honored to be a part of it. I look at the list of, of films being talked about this time of year, and, and the filmmakers being talked about. And uh, uh, yeah, I was happy to see um, Duncan Jones got an award for Moon at the Baptas, and. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that film. I was glad to see him. He, I think he got like up and coming British director award. Um, yes, and his speech was so moving. You know, it was, it was, you know, about how he didn't know how much it would have meant to him, and moved part of the audience to tears. And, uh, wow. You know, speech was very short. I, I sensed looking at him, you know, there was a journey in there too. Mm-hmm. So, thank you so much. I'm, I'm out of time, but again, truly an inspiration. Wonderful film, and good luck in the future with all your work. And I hope it keeps going this well for you. Oh, thank you very much, and, and best of luck to you too. I really enjoyed our conversation. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Go well. And uh, have a good night. In there, uh, you're in London, Thank right? You. Yes, I am. Yeah, I am. I, I it's didn't. Late there. <laughs> it is late there, and I and I was going to go with the British accent, but I didn't think I could put it off. <laughs> I had the, the Nick Hornby on last week, so I had I had that. Uh, oh, you got that covered. <laughs> yeah, he's another yeah, great guy. I love to see him around. Love to see him around. He and I, have, I think, become friends, and I such a remarkable man yeah we, you, know, we, um, you came up last week we were talking and then I said thought that you were coming on he's like oh, yeah I, I spoke with Jeff at the one of you I guess one of your outings and uh, I mean I'm a huge fan of his, his books um, you know so it was it was a pleasure to speak with him as well oh yeah yeah I uh, love seeing him that's another great pleasure of this season to see people who are not only remarkably gifted but they're like genuinely good people. Yeah. All right. He's well, a guy. I want to be like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. So, all right. Well, thanks again, and good luck at the Oscars. Oh, thank you very much, and uh, hope to speak with you soon or see you around town. Yeah, anytime you have something new coming up, let us know. We'll definitely love to have you back. Okay. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Good night. Good night.